I like the Bee Gees. I, that probably is genetic. That's probably some. <laughs> that's something that's pre-birth, right? <laughs> Metacast. I'm Josh Anderson. And I'm Bob Galen. Why does that make you chuckle? We've done this like 75 times. I know, I know, I know. I'm in a silly mood. Uh, Metacasters, I took a red eye back from Vegas. I was in a conference this week. So it's going to be a good one. In in Vegas, and I didn't get any sleep. A guy, there was a head hanging beside me. I was in a middle seat oh, for four and a half hours. Holy cow. And I do was, feel bad for you now. And there was a guy like... Clutching my arm on the right, <laughs> and there was a guy with his bouncing head on my left, and occasionally the head would hit my shoulder. Wow, that's it, pretty bad. It was pretty bad. And then across the directly across in the other three seats were was a family with a baby who was not happy to be wow. traveling yeah. at night. Neither but, were you. No, neither was <laughs> neither was I. So I'm a little punchy, Metacaster. So, but bear with me. I'll try to. I'll try to be be cogent at times. So what's our topic today? Our topic, we are finally circling back to level three of collaboration. Level, we talked about level one and level two. So this is like galactic level yeah. collaboration, like the force. We're in force, yeah. Star, you're not a Star Wars have, fan. Don't you dare question that. What's my daughter's name? I don't know. Leia. Oh, no. Yes. Really? Yes. Oh, high five, man. Yeah, I didn't... Oh, you! So you're a deep, yes. Yeah, it's bad. Oh, I like that. Why I named my daughter Rhiannon because I was such a Fleetwood Mac fan. I nice. love st- I love stuff. Speaking like... of the seventies, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> or were they pre seventies? Uh, no, no. This was like the Rhiannon. That album, the Fleetwood Mac album, was around seventy two, I think. Okay, all right. So early seventies, nice. absolutely. Yeah. Lindsey Buckingham and Stevie Nicks. Nice. So Leia, yeah, oh, I... spelled the same yeah. way. Oh my God! You just went up like five notches in my eyes. <laughs> forget, forget agile experience, Josh. You just you're you're the man now. I did not know that. We've been doing this stuff for five years. We have, and we need to do more personal. You know, this anecdote sharing. Okay, stuff. all right, cool, cool. So the third level, the galactic so the third level, level of, the first level was within your Scrum team itself. Second level, we talked about across the Scrum teams in the software engineering organization. Third level is outside of software engineering and how do you know your organization is collaborating well? We talked about we define success for each of those first two levels. Now we're gonna try and define success for So things we can do to do organization level. Things we can do, patterns, how you know you've done it, how you know you're not there. Cool. Okay. Things like that. Make sense? Yep. Everybody out there, does that make sense to you? Everybody nods. Well, I think this is important from an organization. I mean, a lot of people struggle with Agile in general, but a lot of people struggle with that upper tier stuff, the organizational stuff. And and to be honest, these are the people that fund it. Uh, We can't, in most companies, you can't independently provide value without downstream folks. Right. uh, right, Sales folks, accounting folks, et cetera. So you need them to be... What percentage of Agile implementations do you think make it to this level effectively? Where the organization, so we're taking it to a different level. There's the how do you communicate 
but you asked the question, I think, of okay. who becomes agile, like the organization becomes agile? From a true collaboration perspective. Oh, I think, gosh, I think it's incredibly hard because it, most people look at agile as a, I mean, one of our base hurdles is everyone looks at it as a methodology. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of coaches, I say this, it's not a methodology, it's a cultural play. So it's part methodology but it's part culture. So it's gonna affect every organization in your in, in your company. So HR is gonna be affected, right. finance is gonna be affected, sales. You saw that at Teradata, right? Or, or not, if, or, right. or, or the counterpoint, I'm, not, I'm trying not to pick on Teradata, but the counterpoint is maybe sales didn't embrace uh, and marketing didn't embrace Agile right. the way they should have, and then therefore it was problematic. Uh, so I, I'd say probably 10% maybe yeah companies. that's about the ballpark I was thinking about or less right yep and and there and then there's the true adoption right so you everyone says it so you can see this at a team level uh, developers and testers say they're agile and say they're collaborating but you have to look at their body language to see it and so you know everyone says oh t- testing is everyone's job but most teams don't behave that way yeah it's the old show don't tell right yeah it, anyone can tell you they're doing it to be able to actually exhibit those behaviors, that's that. That's when you know you're at that pro level. So you might be ten or ten or twenty percent of the companies that are showing, but the folks that are like walking it, uh, I'd say there's probably less than five percent that really it's it's deeply ingrained. Mm-hmm. Can you pick a you know I might I might pick I don't know them intimately, but Salesforce might be someone that I would think they've been doing it long enough. Uh, they they've had their leadership team talk about their yeah. transformations on YouTube videos and things like that. Uh, they're not perfect, they're not a role model, but they're, they're, a, they're, they're a clear-cut case for organizational transformation. Uh, yeah, the what, one, what, the, about you, what about your favorite, uh, what's the... the what, uh, Spotify? Spotify. So I know Spotify from a software engineering perspective operates in a way that I aspire for us to operate at. Outside of that, I'm not completely sure. I think GitHub does a pretty darn good job. Or so culturally organizational. Yeah, outside okay. of just the software. So I've studied the software side of Spotify quite a bit and actually reached out to a couple of their folks and they've been pretty nice and pretty helpful. Um, but outside of that, I can't speak one way or the other. GitHub seems to do a pretty darn good job. Um, one that I've always enjoyed following and reading up on is a small company called Buffer. And they do some really cool stuff, and they approach things in a true transparent manner. They are transparent about everything. Salaries yeah. are transparent. Uh, Tree Treehouse is a little training company, a web web based training company, and they are the same. They take the same approach. There's think, a couple small ones out there that I've stumbled upon on Twitter and things like that that I've followed, and they publish a lot of really good stuff about how they approach things. What is it? The guy I forget, Sheridan, Richard Sheridan. Uh, is the CEO of a company called Menlo Innovations in Michigan, I think. And uh, he, he wrote a book, I, I think it's called Fun or Happiness or something like that. Uh, but they're an agile shop. They're mm-hmm. an agile outsourcing or they'll do application development. But culturally, um, the entire company has adopted it. But I, I, think, I think the examples, it probably leans towards the smaller side. That's what we're discovering. Yeah. So when I was at Channel, it's certainly easier. Yeah, and what and smaller to me isn't you know fifty people. It could be eye contact. It was starting to dribble out into finance and sales, which just surprised me. It became organic. Mm -hmm. So one thing we can coming back to the to the uh, sort of the focus point. um, I found that retros not retrospectives but demos 
sprint demos and retrospectives. We, we made them uh, broader, so we would do release uh, reviews, and we would invite everyone. So our sprint reviews and our release reviews, when we were ready to push to production for release, we always invited the entire company. Mm -hmm. And people would come, and it wasn't just looking at software, but it would, it would affect them culturally. I remember the vice president of sales, after a few of our demos, we were like transparency. He started to see transparency. He started to see the teams in the, you know, when people would nitpick, people would, people would give us constructive feedback in, in the reviews. Mm -hmm. And it was harsh, sometimes it was harsh. And he, and he would see our team over time become healthier and healthier at, at handling feedback. And they could take criticism. And they would say, sometimes our teams would fail. And they would get up on stage in front of the company, which is really hard to do. Yeah. And they would say, we failed this sprint. And, and then they would talk about what are they going to do about it. And this, this sort of, I don't know, this lead by example, we weren't intending to do that, but it started creeping out. And then he started doing this in his sales groups where they would do stand-ups and they would, do, they would plan sales initiatives. And they went from individuals. I remember one of the things he talked about is uh, they went from, so salespeople were notoriously incented individually, right? They, mm -hmm. have, they have bonus plans for themselves. So they don't work as teams. They right. work, they're, they're strongly incented to be individuals. But his sales teams, they started to be scrum-like, let's say, and they started working as a team. And they found that by working healthily as a team, they could raise the, uh, I don't know, they could raise the bonuses or they could raise the comp. They right? could collectively raise Collectively them. raise the comp. And they started doing initiatives like that because I could help you. Right. You weren't running it alone, right? If I if I had a experience with a client you were trying to cold call, I, I you know, if you're on your own, I, I don't tell you anything right. and you get screwed. But if if I have any experience, I'll share it with you if we're working as a team. And it just started naturally seeping out. It's it seeped out into our finance department as well. They started doing uh, like backlogs. They started having daily stand-ups. Uh, they started using the terminology. I don't know if they were agile. Uh, there was a little bit more self-directed team nature. Mm -hmm. uh, it was the the leadership became more goal-oriented. Our C our C level team did daily stand-ups, so they they managed company strategy. I wouldn't say they were strongly agile, uh, meaning they you know they were like ad adopting strongly Scrum or Kanban. But it was all, the genesis of that to me was all like the, the transparency of demos and results right. and the retrospectives. We yeah. also did global retrospectives. Do you think that's where you're thinking about the third level might be something like that? Yeah, the thing that I've always said about coming on board here at The Dude, one of my missions was to bring agility to our company. And the thing I've said from the very beginning is, if just software engineering is agile, then we're not really agile, and we're not going to be a truly agile software company, especially as a software as a service company. It's not like we're shipping CDs or anything like exactly. that. We're, we're out there on the web and on mobile devices and slinging data all day, every day. Um, so that's that next level thing for me is to really focus on us getting agile across the organization so that we are truly in sync with everybody that consumes the products that we're building. So sales, marketing, training, support, everything that goes into it. When we're done with a release, 
everybody else is in sync with us and we push that big green button that makes everything go into production and it's everything it's our training materials it's our marketing materials exactly. it's a sales campaign exactly. everything launches together i would love it if that was truly continuous delivery in that same manner that we're going to deliver everything to our customer in the same way and trying to get that and say i've been in places you and i've been both at teradata where inside software engineering we got to be agile and we would have stuff ready to ship but nobody else was ready to consume it and that presented a lot of frustration across the entire company because it was frustrating to the software engineering team because like hey we got this done let's ship it let's get it in the hands of our customers and everybody's like whoa we can handle this stop throwing stuff at us we can only consume this once every x number of months right the thing for me is is also they start taking advantage of the characteristics of agile so but coming back to reacting to what you said i don't think i don't think you teach them I, I, I don't think you tell them to be agile. I think yeah. you, I think you inspire the company. I think it's like lead. What I saw at Eye Contact was lead by example. Yeah. And the results. And so if you have a crappy agile instance, let's say you're not producing like compelling results, then the organization isn't going to pay attention to you. Uh, so we were we were providing compelling results. Uh, it wasn't even velocity. I remember our quality. For every release, when I first got at Eye Contact, every release we were doing quarterly releases might have 100 to 150 bugs in it. So we would release features, but we would also slam our customers with a bunch of bugs. And the customers saw those bugs. And so customer sat was low based on quality, or they had a perception a reality right. that, that quality was poor. Over time, we would do quarterly releases, and we might release, we might have you know one or two or three defect escapes. Mm -hmm. The customers saw that over time, and it really was a wow factor for them. Confidence started going up, uh, stability started going up, risk taking. The fact that they, you know, we, they perceived that we knew we were getting better at our job, and they would take risks with new features and things. Well, then internally we started. It started, you know, rippling through that folks started playing like the sales folks. They would play off quality. They would sell quality. As something you know what I mean? so they're starting to leverage I think that advance it's not just communication but people are starting to take advantage like a Teradata one of the things that frustrated me I don't think it would ever have happened but it still frustrated me is I wanted our sales force not to not to just release quarterly but I wanted them to take advantage of the tempo mm -hmm. do you know what I mean yeah to use it as an advantage to use it as a competitive advantage in the marketplace and I can guarantee you no one was thinking in those terms. Right. At I mean, with all due respect, Teradadians, uh, and I, I mean that, but I don't think anyone. So it's not even just, oh, can I support it? So we, we were just getting general resistance to it. But you need to get through that, and you need to get, like, how do we take advantage of that stuff? But I think the thing you're talking about is you get to that where you're predictable, and you get that cadence, and people... So, start to see and recognize the value because at first it's it's different it's not what folks are used to so it's uncomfortable i don't know how to use this to my advantage so you then, brought something important i think right. uh, you nailed it and there. then when you start delivering on a consistent basis and people see holy crap that's really awesome how do i turn that to help support me and support the organization it's just like you talked about that over time it happens and yeah. and you have to be good at it because if you're bad at it then it's just gonna stuff might actually get worse and yeah. i think that's where we've talked in the past about a lot of agile transformations failing is 
Agile gets the bad rap when it's really not Agile's the problem. It's it's the execution of that. Absolutely. So I think you nailed something there. It's regular tempo, good results, solid, outstanding results relative to your history. So it doesn't have to be relative to the Agile industry. It has to be relative to what you've done historically. Right. And and you get those aha moments. And, and that's what drives it. That's the communication. So the retrospectives, if you have release level or company, we would do company level retrospectives after release. So we would do a release and we would do demos, but we would also, after every quarterly release, we would get the whole company together basically and do, and do a retrospective. Uh, we would collect notes ahead of time. Not everyone would come, but we might have 150 people in a room mm -hmm. or around a room. And we, and we were collecting ideas, what did we do bad? And it wasn't just technology, it was anything. It could be a documentation error, it could be a checklist, mm -hmm. you know, a deployment checklist. We failed on the deployment. We right. failed to have a script to verify a database transition or an upgrade, whatever it was. Uh, we, we, we took data from and anyone in the company who had it. It could be the secretaries, mm -hmm. didn't matter. Uh, we prioritized it and we, we took it, we did something with it for the next release or the high priority stuff. Yeah. Uh, those two things and then regular tempo and doing something really transformed uh, the organization and it was tr that transparency of that. Yeah, the one thing you hit on earlier I'd like to revisit because we've seen a lot of response here as we've made the transition in the past 11 months is the transparency and the quick turnaround on adjustments to failures on recognizing failure and actually doing something about it so that's something that we've gotten a lot of solid response on is we have a sprint review we didn't knock out of the park but the next sprint review we knocked out of the park and we address what we missed last time and people see that they respond to that they respect that it gives that confidence and starts to build the cadence that we've talked about leading towards the success of what we're looking for so the one thing that made me that like brought a tear to my eye was I was walking down a hall um, on a on a customer service side of the house and there was a whiteboard that they hadn't really used a whole lot and um, they had a plus column and a negative column and a delta column and they just as people walked by they were filling it out so I wrote on there really big as big as I could this is awesome and drew arrows and stars yep, and yep. everything because I wanted folks to know that just like we bared our souls, they did too, and I appreciated it and recognized it and wanted to encourage it in any way that I could because that's that's what we need. That's that's how we become an agile organization and get to that level three that we're talking about. You just inspire me. I'm, and again, I'm using eye contact as an example, but I've seen this pattern repeated. A couple other ideas were scrum of scrums. So we did a scrum of scrums and uh, I don't think you have to be you know, particularly big to do it, but we invited everyone to the Scrum of Scrums. So if you wanted to know how the release was, uh, you know, if we were getting close to a release. Yeah. Um, so different people would show up. Uh, we, we globally made it available. We had, a, we had a place for the Scrum of Scrums. We regularly met there. Our release board was there, so our release planning board was there. Our impediments board was there. We had some visuals for you know, rally or whatever, or Jira, uh, but we always met, always met there, and we talked about almost anything. Mm -hmm. And any audience member could bring in a concern for the release. These are release level concerns. Uh, they could also see how we prepared. 
you know this. I mean, emergency, urgent things come up, and you have this real, you have this attack mode. I think if you're healthy, you have this attack mode focus where, you know, impediment, resolve it, impediment, resolve it. What are the teams doing about it? And you're talking about the stuff. You're not just putting on a list and deferring it. So you're, you know, you're working your butt off, basically. But people are seeing what you're doing, right? Yeah. It's like looking, it's like looking through a glass right. into an operating room. Uh, so, so that was incredibly valuable. The other thing we did is developers would tag team with customer support, and they would. So every month we had this thing where you would have to sit out on the phone with customer support for three hours or, or something like that. That's everyone, cool. uh, me as well. I mean, everyone, like every leader in technology. So everyone in the technology team, um, and it was like eat your own dog food. Listen to what the customers. That helped us. But it also showed empathy, and people started. It started creating relationships. I hope I'm making yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you have personal relationships, but we were creating like professional relationships. So folks would ask. So if someone over in finance wanted to do something with Scrum, I mean, I was the head coach. I was the head trainer, but they wouldn't come. Have to. It would might be intimidating clearly to come to me, uh, but they would just talk to a team or something. So it became organic. They right. So they yeah. started having these organic discussions that were wrapped around agile and results, and it started just creeping out. So those are two other. So I'm trying to create a tool chest a little bit. I think demos are important, reviews, retros are really useful. Uh, scrum of scrums, if you do something, make it a transparent mm -hmm. from an execution point of view. And then anything you can do for pairing. Uh, we would also include people in our, we did exploratory testing, and we would include people like customer support folks in our pairs when we did uh, exploratory testing. So it went both ways like That's that. That's cool, yeah. Uh, but it was the side effects. It, it was yeah, the, yeah, it sets the dialogue in motion, and, and it gets people talking. Culturally, cross-functionally, cross-functionally, yeah. cross-culturally. Uh, but it's all about... And again, coming back to what drives the toolkit, and you nailed it. It's the tempo. It's the results. You got to get shit done. Mm -hmm. Excuse my French, Metacasters, but we oui, we. Oui. But it's you got to get you got to get stuff done, and you got to get more stuff done, and you have to prove it. And that's the frustration. It's got to be of quality. It, it, exactly. I mean, you 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 can't just say you're agile. You have to be delivering. Part of our passion around, remember what, a year ago, we talked about basic toolkits and yeah. we were talking about investing in that. Well, the whole point of that is to deliver the goods. Mm -hmm. If you're sort of half half delivering the goods, it's it's not just bad agile, it's going to really affect you organizationally. Yeah. Right? If folks aren't going to see, it's the why. The, there's, you know, why are we going through this if, if we're not getting If it's not getting any better. If it's not getting if any better. If it makes better. it harder. Exactly. Or even if it's neutral. Yeah. I mean, any change, any organizational change sucks, right? It's yeah. I mean, change is hard. So why go through it? And people reflect. I think the organization reflects. Here we are going through, here at the dude. Agile change here, I'm sure, is hard. Yeah. If you're not delivering the results, people are going to start questioning. It's like, why the heck are we going through all these gyrations? Right. right? Yeah. Cool. So anything else on that? I mean, I feel like... Do you think we covered it? I'm not sure where else to go. I think so there's some training. I think there's I think there's space for pointy-headed guys like you and I. Actually, that's so so that's one thing that we did that we need to circle back. I've talked about this a little bit. When I came on board, we did an internal roadshow of what is agile, what does this mean, 
how's it going to affect you? How's it going to affect the software that we build? Because we're a software company. Um, myself and our VP of product, Kevin, went around and did that. And it was received very well. And that got everybody excited. It got the juices flowing. And I remember you talking about doing that. that. What, what Kevin and I have talked about is we should do that again. Exactly. Doing it's a year later. Now, here's how things have changed. This is where we are. This is where we're going. This is how we want to continue to grow that. And that can start those conversations like you talked about. That can be step one of our pairing of where we set up that pairing. We start to do that across the organization. And that's an area where you can, so where did I focus? I remember the first time someone was inquisitive at eye contact about Kanban. Uh, I went down and, so being an evangelist, that is a role. So yep. it's a training role, but also being an internal evangelist role. And, and getting up off your butt, if someone in a, in another silo expresses interest, jump up, jump up, yeah, and, jump and engage and that, yeah. and engage that. Don't ignore that. Don't look at it and say, "Oh, that's out. I'm too busy for that." Yeah. Uh, engage those things because they rarely do that, uh, and it doesn't take much. All you have to do is provide, you know, some quick overviews, or you can even connect them to another team, or you can connect them to Richard here or something. Yeah. But you jump up and you do those connectors. So I, th I think that was the missing thing, is training slash evangelism. Uh, and don't punt that. No. So whoever, in, in your case here at the dude, that would be your job. Yep. And I contact, that was that was my job. I mean, I could delegate somewhat, but don't delegate 100% of yep. that. And don't right. ignore it. Uh, because people don't, don't get it. The other thing related to that is teaching, um, and, and I think this, so I'll give you an example. Uh, I at once at eye contact, I was encouraging teams to fail. Or I, you've heard me tell the story where I, I got the scrum masters together. We had a succession of I don't know over a hundred successful sprints. Right. And everything you know, every every demo was you know success success. We all you know we planned for ten stories. We delivered ten stories. And I had a scrum master focus group, and I pulled them together, and I said, "I'm a little uncomfortable with our success." Right. Yeah. And I want I want to promote failure, and uh, they looked at me weird for a while, but then they it, I was just trying to avoid complacency. I yeah. was I was trying to avoid flat lines, and I wanted them to inspire. I didn't. There was no magic number of failures. I had no goal, but what I wanted was them to inspire their teams to take chances to try new things. Yeah. And they did that. Well, the first time we failed. Uh, I remember, based on that initiative, so a team went down in flames. Uh, we went to the demo, and it was ugly. And uh, one of the C-level folks started berating the team. I, they will remain nameless. Uh, but she, I remember she was really berating the team. And she missed the point. And I, I needed to defend the team there. So this evangelizing is what I'm trying to say is it's sort of, there are these teaching moments that you're gonna get yeah. organizationally. Uh, you probably get them all the time here. Mm -hmm. It's take those teaching moments, some, and they're in public. Those public teaching moments, like I had a moment on stage there with 80 people in a room that were cross-functional to explain that failure isn't always bad. And it wasn't just about that team, it was an agile moment. Gee, right. I hope I'm making sense. Yeah, yeah. And, and grab those things when they pop up. Now it takes, I think it takes cojones yeah, sometimes to do that. And, and it takes artistry to do that because you don't want to appear defensive, et cetera. Yeah. But, but those moments like matter a lot because it's like people talk about those moments, yeah. right? That, that's actually part of the cultural transformation across the silos. 
Yeah, one, one other thing that we do to try and help with that training and information growth across the company is not every sprint review, but often in a sprint review, we'll sprinkle in, this is part of Agile. This is how we do things. So I get up on, this is the Josh's soapbox. Like I have a, I have a slide that is a soapbox. And it's me and Josh gets up and talks about something about this is why we do sprint reviews. This is why we do the demo. This is why we do retrospectives. This is why we fail. I love that. See, that's uh, and that's the nature of what I'm talking about. And I've done some something similar to that. So do those, you know, those defining make those defining moments, right. those teaching moments, right, wherever they're at, and don't be shy about it. Right? Yep. Do not be shy about it. And you may it feels uncomfortable sometimes. At least to me, it feels. I feel like, oh, I'm preaching, or yeah, this or that, yeah. or it's weird, or. But you, I think you've got to do it. And you've got to do it repeatedly because, with us, like we've realized, we need to go back and the things we said, 16 sprints ago, we have to say again because we've grown insanely. So there's people at those sprint reviews, absolutely, that haven't heard that part. And the other thing I've learned is you've got to say something seven times yep. before somebody gets it. If they're not actively doing it and you're just trying to educate them, you've got to say it like seven times. That's part of that transformation. That culture, it, I mean, it's th this is the subtlety. I like where this went. Uh, Metacasters, I, 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 I mean, Josh and I, or at least I was struggling so was I. with this topic before we started. I'm like, what the heck are we going to talk about? <laughs> but I'm feeling really good about where we went during this Metacast yeah. from a, you know, from a cross-functional perspective. So I think we can stick a fork in this. I, I like where this, I like Stuck. where this went. Yeah. Cool. This is important stuff. I hope that came across. Uh, all three levels of this of the communication in this series, I think, are crucial. So if you if you you know if you want to do mediocre agile, whatever that is, or you want to get just just have a little sticker that says we're doing agile, then you don't need to listen to the, the this series. But if you really want to change the world in your company mm -hmm. um, and change the culture, then I think this is a this is a pretty crucial series for that. Yep. Agreed. Cool. How do we wrap this sucker up, Josh? So, folks, if you're out there, we are doing as much as we can to help grow our listeners so that we, we can affect as many people, and you can help. So give us positive reviews on iTunes or whatever platform you're listening to us on. Star us, favorite us, share us, whatever. That helps us reach more people. That helps can they us split, make a difference. Can they split the reviews? Like, can they have, like, a half of the stars the Josh side? And a half the stars, the Bob side, or is it four and a half stars for Josh and a half, half for Bob? For Bob, so 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 try to evaluate both of us, but lean towards <laughs> but lean lean towards Bob. <laughs> That's fair. I can go with that. No, I, I was just kidding around. Cool. Yes. Yeah, so, so review us. You found us. Keep finding us. Uh, give us ideas. Uh, yes, please. We, do. we need your ideas for themes, topics, etc. We want to help you. Absolutely. So, Metacasters, from beautiful downtown Cary, North Carolina, I'm Bob Galen. And I'm Josh Anderson. Shake. And bake. Take care, y'all.